Hi, it's Chris. I have to start with my sincere and deep thanks to everyone who not only listened to my first Occupod, my reading of Ambassador William B. Taylor's opening statement to the U.S. House impeachment investigators, but also and especially to everyone who responded to my request for feedback. The number of folks who left a comment or sent me an email was kind and remarkable. So what did I hear? Well, people seem to love the service. We're clearly onto something. The feedback broke down into a few camps. One, people who didn't have time to read the document themselves, like Lance. Quote, I don't really have the time or wherewithal to read these things, and I'm glad to see the trend of my favorite podcaster is reading them now. Thank you, Lance. Two, people who knew the broad strokes but gained greater insights from hearing the whole thing. As Jim wrote, quote, I understood the basic outline of his testimony gleaned from media reports, but the entire document provided me with a more holistic understanding of the functioning of the alternative diplomatic channel. And three, people who read the document themselves but enjoyed hearing it as well. Mostly optimistic noted, I had read the Taylor opening statement, but hearing it read helps to reinforce the details. It really does sound like I'm listening to a political thriller audiobook. And then there was this comment, which, well, left me feeling great. Quote, I'm an American living in Rwanda and can sometimes feel rather disconnected from events back home. Thanks for reading this very important document. End quote. It's certainly my pleasure. For anyone who didn't hear the first Occupod, here's why I believe there's a need for this type of service. Audio reads of important public documents. First, with our democracy under stress, these documents are interesting and essential. Second, with all of the spin, it helps to know the exact words ourselves. And three, those exact words are powerful, much more powerful than that third-party spin. And of course, it's really hard to find time to read them. And now, as if on cue, we have another powerful document, the opening statement of Lieutenant Colonel Alexander S. Vindman to the U.S. House impeachment investigators on October 29th. As you surely know, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman is the decorated Iraq war veteran and top Ukraine expert on the National Security Council who listened in on that July 25th telephone call between President Trump and President Vladimir Zelensky. That's it. No conversation, no interview, just the six-page document itself. Once again, I'd be grateful for your feedback that you can send via email to chris at chrisreback.com. And if you like these DocuPods, as with my regular conversations, well, please give it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Okay, that's all. You'll get the regular episode of Chris Reback's Conversations in your feed later this week. Now, here's the opening statement of Lieutenant Colonel Alexander S. Vindman, who testified before the U.S. House impeachment investigators on October 29th. Mr. Chairman and Ranking Member, thank you for the opportunity to address the committees concerning the activities relating to Ukraine and my role in the events under investigation. Background. I have dedicated my entire professional life to the United States of America. For more than two decades, it has been my honor to serve as an officer in the United States Army. As an infantry officer, I served multiple overseas tours, including South Korea and Germany, in a deployment to Iraq for combat operations. In Iraq, I was wounded in an IED attack and awarded a Purple Heart. Since 2008, I have been a foreign area officer specializing in Eurasia. In this role, I have served in the United States embassies in Kiev, Ukraine, and Moscow, Russia. In Washington, D.C., I was a political-military affairs officer for Russia for the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, where I authored the principal strategy for managing competition with Russia. In July 2018, I was asked to serve at the National Security Council. 
The privilege of serving my country is not only rooted in my military service, but also in my personal history. I sit here as a lieutenant colonel in the United States Army, an immigrant. My family fled the Soviet Union when I was three and a half years old. Upon arriving in New York City in 1979, my father worked multiple jobs to support us, all while learning English at night. He stressed to us the importance of fully integrating into our adopted country. For many years, life was quite difficult. In spite of our challenging beginnings, my family worked to build its own American dream. I have a deep appreciation for American values and ideals and the power of freedom. I am a patriot, and it is my sacred duty and honor to advance and defend our country, irrespective of party or politics. For over 20 years as an active duty United States military officer and diplomat, I have served this country in a nonpartisan manner and have done so with the utmost respect and professionalism for both Republican and Democratic administrations. Introduction Before recounting my collection of various events under investigation, I want to clarify a few issues. I'm appearing today voluntarily pursuant to a subpoena and will answer all questions to the best of my recollection. I want the committees to know I am not the whistleblower who brought this issue to the CIA and the committee's attention. I do not know who the whistleblower is, and I would not feel comfortable to speculate as to the identity of the whistleblower. Also, as I will detail herein, I did convey certain concerns internally to national security officials in accordance with my decades of experience and training, sense of duty, and obligation to operate within the chain of command. As an active duty military officer, the command structure is extremely important to me. On many occasions, I have been told I should express my views and share my concerns with my chain of command and proper authorities. I believe that any good military officer should and would do the same, thus providing his or her best advice to leadership. Furthermore, in performing my coordination role as a director on the National Security Council, I provided readouts of relevant meetings and communications to a very small group of properly cleared National Security counterparts with a relevant need to know. My service on the National Security Council. When I joined the White House's National Security Council, Perens, NSC, and Perens, I reported to Dr. Fiona Hill, who in turn reported to John Bolton, the National Security Advisor. My role at the NSC includes developing, coordinating, and executing plans and policies to manage the full range of diplomatic, informational, military, and economic national security issues for the countries in my portfolio, which includes Ukraine. In my position, I coordinate with a superb cohort of interagency partners. I regularly prepare internal memoranda, talking points, and other materials for the National Security Advisor and senior staff. Most of my interactions relate to national security issues and are therefore especially sensitive. I would urge the committees to carefully balance the need for information against the impact that disclosure would have on our foreign policy and national security. I have never had direct contact or communications with the president. The geopolitical importance of Ukraine. Since 2008, Russia has manifested an overtly aggressive foreign policy, leveraging military power and employing hybrid warfare to achieve its objectives of regional hegemony and global influence. Absent a deterrent to dissuade Russia from such aggression, there is an increased risk of further confrontations with the West. In this situation, a strong and independent Ukraine is critical to U.S. national security interests because Ukraine is a frontline state and a bulwark against Russian aggression. In spite of being under assault from Russia for more than five years, Ukraine has taken major steps towards integrating with the West. 
The U.S. government policy community's view is that the election of President Vladimir Zelensky and the promise of reforms to eliminate corruption will lock in Ukraine's Western-leaning trajectory and allow Ukraine to realize its dream of a vibrant democracy and economic prosperity. Given this perspective and my commitment to advancing our government's strategic interests, I will now recount several events that occurred. Relevant Events when I joined the NSC in July 2018, I began implementing the administration's policy on Ukraine. In the spring of 2019, I became aware of outside influencers promoting a false narrative of Ukraine inconsistent with the consensus views of the interagency. This narrative was harmful to U.S. government policy. While my interagency colleagues and I were becoming increasingly optimistic on Ukraine's prospects, this alternative narrative undermined U.S. government efforts to expand cooperation with Ukraine. April 21, 2019, President Trump calls Ukraine President Zelensky. On April 21, 2019, Vladimir Zelensky was elected president of Ukraine in a landslide victory. President Zelensky was seen as a unifying figure within the country. He was the first candidate to win a majority in every region of the country, breaking the claims that Ukraine would be subject to a perpetual divide between the Ukrainian and Russian-speaking populations. President Zelensky ran on a platform of unity, reform, and anti-corruption, which resonated with the entire country. In support of U.S. policy objectives to support Ukrainian sovereignty, President Trump called President Zelensky on April 21, 2019. I was one of several staff and officers who listened to the call. The call was positive, and President Trump expressed his desire to work with President Zelensky and extended an invitation to visit the White House. May 21, 2019, Inauguration Delegation Goes to Ukraine on May 21, 2019, I was directed by Ambassador Bolton and Dr. Hill to join the delegation attending President Zelensky's inauguration. When the delegation returned, they provided a debriefing to President Trump and explained their positive assessment of President Zelensky and his team. I did not participate in the debriefing. Alexander Daniliuk visit, July 10, 2019. On July 10, 2019, Alexander Daniliuk, the Secretary of the National Security and Defense Council for Ukraine, visited Washington, D.C. for a meeting with National Security Advisor Bolton. Ambassadors Volker and Sondland also attended, along with Energy Secretary Rick Perry. The meeting proceeded well, until the Ukrainians broached the subject of a meeting between the two presidents. The Ukrainians saw this meeting as critically important to solidify the support of their most important international partner. Ambassador Sondland started to speak about Ukraine delivering specific investigations in order to secure the meeting with the president, at which time Ambassador Bolton cut the meeting short. Following this meeting, there was a scheduled debriefing, during which Ambassador Sondland emphasized the importance that Ukraine deliver the investigations into the 2016 election, the Bidens, and Burisma. I stated to Ambassador Sondland that his statements were inappropriate, that the request to investigate Biden and his son had nothing to do with national security, and that such investigations were not something the NSC was going to get involved in or push. Dr. Hill then entered the room and asserted to Ambassador Sondland that his statements were inappropriate. Following the debriefing meeting, I reported my concerns to the NSC's lead counsel. Dr. Hill also reported the incident to the NSC's lead counsel. Election Call, July 25, 2019 On July 21, 2019, President Zelensky's party won parliamentary elections in a landslide victory. 
the NSC proposed that President Trump call President Zelensky to congratulate him. On July 25, 2019, the call occurred. I listened in on the call in the Situation Room with colleagues from the NSC and the Office of the Vice President. As the transcript is in the public record, we are all aware of what was said. I was concerned by the call. I did not think it was proper to demand that a foreign government investigate a U.S. citizen, and I was worried about the implications for the U.S. government's support of Ukraine. I realized that if Ukraine pursued an investigation into the Bidens and Burisma, it would likely be interpreted as a partisan play, which would undoubtedly result in Ukraine losing the bipartisan support it has thus far maintained. This would all undermine U.S. national security. Following the call, I again reported my concerns to NSC's lead counsel. Conclusion The United States and Ukraine are and must remain strategic partners, working together to realize the shared vision of a stable, prosperous, and democratic Ukraine that is integrated into the Euro-Atlantic community. Our partnership is rooted in the idea that free citizens should be able to exercise their democratic rights, choose their own destiny, and live in peace. It has been a great honor to serve the American people and a privilege to work in the White House and on the National Security Council. I hope to continue to serve and advance America's national security interests. Thank you for your consideration, and now I would be happy to answer your questions. That was the opening statement of Lieutenant Colonel Alexander S. Vindman, who testified before the U.S. House impeachment investigators on October 29th. Quick reminders, sign up for my newsletter at chrisreback.com, and if you liked this podcast, please give it the five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You'll get the regular episode of Chris Reback's Conversations in your feed later this week. Thanks for listening. I'll talk with you soon.